we are joined now by Tim Lacombe and Jake Scott. And uh, we'll watch the Lakers, the Andre Drummond-led Lakers tonight against Minnesota or Milwaukee and see what happens there. Milwaukee's had a brutal trip so far. And uh, see what else happens as uh, Phoenix Suns are not playing tonight. They will, or no, they are playing tonight. They're home against Chicago. We'll keep an eye on that one as well as it's time to start doing uh, some standing watching. Guys, that was impressive. Yeah, that was as impressive a win as the Jazz have had in a while. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we talked in the pregame about the strength of this team is the team, and I think that's what showed tonight. Uh, you know, Conley stepped up and, and Boyan Clarkson uh, offensively to kind of pick up the slack, but uh, that was a hard one, and, you know, Memphis kind of got it going there in the second half. Uh, Jazz turned it over. Uh, Memphis got to the rim kind of at will in that second half in transition, but you know, there were a couple of possessions there where they got all the way deep and didn't finish, and the Jazz made them pay going the other way, and I really did kind of think that really was the kind of the answer was that transition defense, the focus on it, and uh, and then the Jazz kind of turning that very thing around and getting something going the other way. It's pretty interesting kind of how this game mirrored the first one, particularly three-point shooting. The Jazz went 5 of 22 in the first and sec- or second and third quarters, Tonight they went four of twenty in the second and third quarters, and then they made you know four big ones tonight in the fourth quarter. Exactly what they did uh, in that previous matchup is that when it got to the fourth quarter, they made some big shots, and they were ten of ten at the free throw line late as well. I'm trying to figure out Morant. I mean, um, twice now he's come alive in the second half, and he's gotten to the free throw line, and and you start looking at wh- where his weaknesses are. And then I start wondering how good can he be or how good is he now and how good can he, can he be? Well, what are your, my, what are your answers to your own questions? I, I, I'm curious. I, I think that without a perimeter game, a respectable perimeter game, then I don't see him getting Donovan type of dependability. Maybe not, maybe depend, being, being, Maybe that's stretching a little I mean, bit as far as being dependable. I, I'm going to play devil's advocate. He just put up 36 against the number one half-court. Free throw line. 15 free throws right. in the second half. Right. No, I mean, yeah. like, but I mean, so no, I'm with, I actually kind of agree with you. I'm just for the discussion of a good basketball discussion here. Mm-hmm. So he just went up against the number one half-court defense in the NBA. I don't, I mean, he hit some prayers tonight, but he did, generally didn't like, and he scored 36 points. Like, so I think we might be skewed a little bit on how hard everything looks for him against us because everything against us is that hard. But it, who's who did – like, they played Houston the other night? It wasn't hard for him. Like, no. I, like, I don't know who they play next, but, like, who else can make it as hard on – They Drew? play Minnesota next. Like, it's not going to be hard for him that night. Then they go Philly, Miami, be hard Atlanta, New York. Yeah. Might be Philadelphia. Like, Philadelphia's – Atlanta is not going to be hard for him. Like, but, this but, is hard for him because we got Rudy in there and we're playing a style and we're forcing him the wrong way, and he still finishes with 36. So maybe it's not fair for me to compare him to Donovan because Donovan now, the game looks a lot easier. Like, Donovan's not doesn't seem to be working as hard as Morant to make things happen, but Morant uses his speed. I said this the last ball game. He has speed and quickness. Donovan has strength and quickness. Yeah. And, and I'd actually add skill. You and know, skill. that's, that's you the put part. Skill there. Yeah, as well. I mean, that's the part. Ron, do you think, I mean, you were a great shooter. Do you think that that's something Morant can, 
can do, can get better at? I think in order for him to, yeah, he can get better at it, but in order for him to get, uh, to be, he doesn't shoot off the dribble, jump shot off the dribble. Right. I mean, everything that I've saw. Floater and rim. Floater or a standstill type, Joe Ingles type jump shot, you know, and I think he has the ability to, to get better. And, and I think if he's going to be a great player in this league, he needs to get better at, 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 those, at those particular things here. David, I got a comp for you on him. John Morant? Interesting, because I don't have any. I've well, it, and it's a totally different position. It's a guy that's in the league right now. Zion Williamson. Very, I mean, they're interesting. Very and, similar in terms yeah. of, like, not a whole lot of perimeter, but good luck stopping them. Right. Right. Would you call John Morant a one-level or a two-level score? Like they talk about three. Donovan's right, become, that's one and a half. Categorizing him. Yeah. Right. One and a half. One and a half. Cause Don, right, because Donovan's a three-level score, right? So Donovan can bust the three, he can shit a mid-range shot, and he can score at the rim. Um, Kemba Walker, for example, has become a two-level score. He can't score at the rim anymore. It's a big yeah. problem for them, right? Like you just you, like John Morant is a one-level, one-and-a-half-level scorer. So he scored 80 points in three games against the Jazz. Not a lot of people that can do that. Yeah, I mean that's Definitely pretty impressive, not. right? But yeah, and I'm sorry for going that direction. I know no, the Jazz just had a just had a great win. Yeah. No, 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 I think it's Donovan I think it's applicable, man. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's a good. Also, I think maybe the most important point you said is we asked so much out of Donovan. I know Donovan didn't play that, but we asked so much out of Donovan, and we like his number one comp. We always give him is Dame Lillard, right? He's in his ninth year and it should be an MVP candidate this year, like right. truly an MVP candidate. He's in his ninth year, right? Like, Donovan's going to go up against the playoffs all those years and play Harden, right? Harden was, like, in his 10th year while Donovan was in his second. So John Morant's in his second year. Think about how much more versatile Donovan is a player. Now, Donovan had more then, too. But, like, John Morant in two years? Like, well, who knows? Because yeah. we've seen what happens to Donovan in two years. Right. Great way of putting it. And, Donovan, and also, you know what? Like, John Morant's second-best offensive player is Dylan Brooks is not good as an offense. Not, not, like, not good player, like, He's not a good offensive player. Like, shoots 38%. Like, Volume shooter. Yeah, like, they, he doesn't have a second option. Like, Jaron Jackson would help him out if he was a little healthy, but they need a – John Morant needs someone else creating something so he can go get something and then go to the basket every now and then, not have to create. Mm-hmm. Every time he went to the basket, Royce O'Neal's on him, Rudy's shadowing him. About, like, whoo, man. Yeah, think about, you know, him or with four shooters around him, like, in lanes, you know, guys having to stay home and not – things – Things are less tight. I, mean, I think that's the one thing with this Memphis team. The Jazz can pack it in pretty good, and they can show bodies. And uh, they did a great job in the first half. He got away from them in the second half with transition turnovers, those type of things. Well, they only attempted 18 threes of 20, 28%, and I just mentioned that I thought they were surging a little bit. But that's have to improve if, they, if no, they're right. going to do I mean, anything. They're 29th in the league in yeah. three-point shooting. Well, that's a great win for the Jazz. Great win. Absolutely. I mean, that is like – if you're Phoenix and you're trying to catch us, oh, they're playing Memphis third time in four games in Memphis without Donovan. All right. And yeah, now you're like, oh. Wind out of their sails. Yep, no doubt. Oh, like really? Like like that's a, you know, we got we got seven games at home we got to take care of. We got three or four more on the road. Notch those. You can just kind of play with the others. You don't have to be perfect. The Jazz have built themselves a little cushion. And the number one seed's a big like, I cannot explain to you how big a deal I think the number one seed is. One, I think we're going to have a lot of people in the building. Two, we'll see if we can get our counts down. We went the wrong way today. Um, 
And, you know, I think we, I really think the Jazz need to just send out a PSA that says, like, hey, we want to win a championship. We need all of you to wear masks and socially distance so we can get our numbers down. How about stand at midcourt? I mean, seriously, <laughs> it would just happen. Um, keep our numbers down so we can fill the house so we can win a championship, be a part of it. We'll hang a banner together. Um, but the, then the next level on that is, I think, you know, the eighth seed in the West who's going to be really good. It's probably going to be New Orleans by the time it happens. But they'll have played two games already by the time you play them. Like, that's a big thing that's never happened before. The play-in tournament, when you're the one seed, the eight seed will have had to play two games already and then travel. Like, that's a big deal. And not to mention, like, talking to our coaches, they say playing at home with people is so dramatically different than playing on the road right now. It's a huge advantage. A little different at the beginning of the year, wasn't it? Yeah, you guys. All right, so if we're going to go inside baseball for a second. you want you Baseball? Yeah, well, that's like a phrase. Mm-hmm. You want a funny one? Can you imagine being the first-round scout of a number one seed in the NBA now, okay? You have to prepare for four different teams. That's And you have a probably 24-hour window to get it right. No sleep. Right? Do you understand? Like, you follow me, Comb, here? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I... That's tournament time. That, that's right. how we used to live. Yeah, you've you know. got, you got to prepare the seven seed because, in theory, they could lose the seven eight game and then be, and then win the next one, become the eight seed. You got to prepare the eight team because they could lose the seven eight and then win. You got to prepare the nine team because they could win two in a row, and you got to prepare the ten team because they could win ten in a row. Kind of brutal. I'm glad it's not me. Yeah, well, you and I, he, we're, we're just going to watch. It's a close friend of yours, so you might want to help him. Yeah, he he doesn't need my help. He's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty good. Thank goodness he's still around. All right. Have fun, guys. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Big win for the Jazz tonight, 111-107 over the Grizz. We're breaking it down next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Make it seven in a row for the Utah Jazz. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies tonight in Memphis, 111-107. Sands, Donovan Mitchell, who did not play tonight. Uh, they come away with a big win, beating the Grizzlies for the third time in six nights, which, as we just talked with uh, Lock and Boone, is not the easiest thing to do. And Memphis is a, a good team, maybe not the best team, but a good team that is not easy to do, Coach Lacombe. It's not easy to do, and especially, um, you know, with, with everything the Jazz went through the last couple of days, uh, it's so impressive for them when you take into account that the incident yesterday with the plane and not having Donovan, uh, that had to rattle the team just a teeny bit. And uh, I thought they came out and played with great purpose. Um, I think from the beginning, they shared the ball. And again, the, nobody tried to just go out and be the man. Everybody trusted one another. And uh, the Jazz kind of rolled through uh, that first half and were able to hold Memphis off for the win. Big performance from Mike Conley, a little bit of a homecoming. Uh, 26.7 assists, four steals, including some big shots down the stretch. And, you know, I wonder, obviously, uh, Mike has a, a good vibe with the Grizzlies franchise and with that uh, town. But just because it's not a revenge type of thing, uh, I don't think makes the, uh, I guess, his want to go play well there uh, any less. No, you you want to, you know, go back in, in a situation like that where you, you're playing against old teammates. You're playing in front of familiar faces, and you want to show well. And I thought Mike was was really kind of the X factor tonight. He he really understood push and pull. 
he went and got baskets when the Jazz needed it. He also shared the ball, found guys, um, was solid defensively. And, you know, I, I thought more than anything, his, his kind of presence on the floor was really kind of what got the Jazz over the hump. He looks like he's having fun when he plays. You know, he looks like he's got that joy when he goes out there and he's playing. He's got a smile on his face, and he's fun to watch. There's no doubt. When he got that, uh, it was kind of a three that he got in the corner. Um, they they showed the replay a couple times on television. But that particular play, after he made it, he just started kind of laughing on his way back. Um, and I agree with you. I think uh, it's so fun to see a guy who's played that long and not just uh, kind of get through the moment, really enjoy it. Um, and so uh, I'm really happy for Mike. I've been a, a huge Mike fan for years, uh, and seeing the way he he responded, you know, after a tough year last year, coming into this year, and then you know going back home tonight and getting that one, that was great. John Moran had a big night for the Grizz, 36 points on 11 of 18 shooting. He got to the line 15 times, 12 of 15 from the line, seven assists. He had three steals himself. Uh, but he's you know he's he's a real special player. I'm you know you guys were talking about a comp for him. I'm not sure there is one. I do agree with Boone though uh, that I I think he needs to round out his game a little bit more as he gets a little more mature. I know it's difficult to develop a a jump shooting game when you don't really have one. Uh, but if he if he does that, if he figures out a way to round some things out, I mean he he'll be one of the best players in the league. And it seems to me like he's a guy you know that really takes it serious, works on his game. Um, that's just one little piece, you know, if he can go from, uh, you know, a one and a half level score to even a two, you know, if he could make a pull up uh, off the bounce instead of having to get all the way to the rim, that would really help expand his game. And then being able to shoot a three would certainly complete that. And uh, but but I'll tell you, with the skill set he has right now, we saw him get 32 in the first game against the Jazz and 36 tonight. Pretty impressive because he really is kind of and I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but kind of a one-trick pony. You know, he's he's a rim guy. Um, but with all that stuff, you know, like tonight he got to the, rim, the, the free throw line 15 times because he's always on attack. And it seems like this year uh, he's added a little strength to his game too, watching him in these three games. I don't want to say he was you know, too thin when he got into the league, but it, it just seems like he's put on a little bit more. He's a little bit stronger, and he's able to finish through contact, maybe where it was a little more acrobatic in year number one. The, obviously, the NBA does a great job. You know, teams um, nutritionally, obviously, uh, in the weight room, and I agree with you. I think that Ja has definitely added some bulk, uh, which certainly has helped him to take a hit and finish. Um, or take a hit and, um, you know, and get to the line. I, I really like his mindset. And really, if he, the book will be if he, can, if he can expand his game a little bit and become more of a shooter, look out. All right. Uh, with that, we will say good night to our network stations. Our next broadcast is coming your way on uh, Friday night. The Chicago Bulls will be in town. Nikola Vucevic, we'll see him again. Wow, he's a good one too, man. See, we thought he, we were going to see him this week. We just thought it was going to be Saturday Later. With, with the Magic, but we'll see him Friday. It'll actually be – I'm excited to see him play with that Bulls. Team. See how it fits. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, that game will tip off at 7 o'clock. For those of you sticking around with us, we'll have uh, sound for you, and we'll continue to break this one down as Jazz beat the Grizz tonight. 111-107 right here on the Jazz Radio Network.
Jazz Game Night Post Game Show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe. It's brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jazz win tonight, 111-107 over the Memphis Grizzlies. We'll get you some sound coming up, but let's get to your sharp stats of the game. Brought to you by our friends at the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Uh, Jazz led tonight. Well, actually, let's start here. Jazz shot 42.7% from the field. 32.7% 32.7% from three, 16 of 49. Mike Conley led the way with 26.7 assists, four rebounds. Uh, Clarkson coming in off the bench had 24 points on eight of 22 shooting. He also had seven rebounds. There's one of our key statistics right there. Clarkson with seven. Check. Although not tonight's master of the glass. Looked like he might contend for a minute, but it didn't turn out to be him. He kind of got... Uh... Waylaid by Rudy in the second half. He did a little bit. On the boards. Bogdanovich had 23 points tonight, 6 of 17 shooting. You mentioned uh, he got it going early a little bit, giving the team uh, a little bit of a boost at the beginning. John Morant had 36 uh, for the Grizzlies. Valanciunas with 16. Anderson, 18. Dylan Brooks, 17. But not enough as the Jazz get some clutch play in the fourth and come away uh, with the win. And uh, we wondered how they'd uh, or who would, you know, kind of step up their game a little bit to replace Donovan Mitchell. You brought up three names in the pregame, Clarkson, Conley, and Bogdanovich. And lo and behold, that uh, apparently is the story of the game. Those guys did a great job. But but I also want to spotlight, you know, 14 minutes for me, Aoni. Um, and he, uh, this kid just does a great job of, of doing exactly what he's supposed to do. Um, you pointed out one particular play on offense where the Jazz got the ball and he got shot out of a cannon as hard as he could run, just an absolute sprint to the dead corner. And because he sprinted the floor, the Jazz got a basket because uh, it just spread everything out. Another play, he you know he dove you know for yep, a loose ball right did. into Kim Tilly's knees. Uh, but he 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 just absolutely has great effort. And then I look up and a shot goes up and he goes and just clocks a guy on a on a rebound. So. Um, guys like that who, again, he hasn't played a lot, uh, has not played in meaningful minutes a ton, but tonight the Jazz need him. And what does he do? He gives 14 really solid minutes, only three points, but all those little things are really the difference maker. And that's you, the way you play your way, uh, play your way into uh, Coach Snyder's rotation. I mean, we've seen it with Royce O'Neal, we've seen it with George Niang and these guys that just come in and play like their hair's on fire and do those little things, and that's probably why we see Mie Oni and enter into the rotation when there's uh, room for it. And he comes in and he does a good job. In the, in those 14 minutes uh, on the floor, he was a plus eight, um, which is only, I guess, uh, Rudy led the Jazz with with a plus 12. Conley was a plus 10. But Mieoni in those 14 minutes was a plus eight. And so those are those are little wins. You know, you look down the bench, you, you see guys you can trust. Uh, and when you know you get in a pickle, you can call a guy's number and he'll give you what he can. All right, let's get some sound going. Uh, let's uh, throw things back to Memphis and hear from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, coach. Uh, t- a tough 24 hours, and then you're trying to beat a team three times in a row without Donovan. What impressed you most about how you guys were able to get the win tonight? Well, I think, you know, our whole group showed a lot of grit. Um, you know, Mike Conley was, was terrific, um, controlling the game and finding people and, you know, they were real aggressive defensively and he was able to get in the paint. 
and you know Boyan also really settled us, particularly playing out on the post and making some shots. But you know, in the end, um, you know we got a couple stops when we needed to, and we were able to play through. I, I think play through adversity, whether um, whatever shape or form you know it took. Ben Anderson, CastleSports.com. Quinn, your team's giving up uh, not very many points. Does it feel like good defensive performances, or or what are you seeing? Well, you know, I, you always, you know, I guess part of being a coach is you, you always want more. Um, but I think we're competing, and you know, there's going to be breakdowns, and we're going to talk about them. Um, you know, guys are going to work to improve, but you know, again, the, the two things for us that that are most important on every possession, you know, is being able to get back. I thought, you know, there were a few times, you know, Morant's, he's fast and, you know, it's, it's tough to get back at times, but you have to go to the next play when, when we were missing shots for a while there, um, that makes it harder on our defense. Um, I thought we took care of the ball pretty well under the circumstances. And then in the end, you know, being able to rebound is, is, is crucial for us. So I know we take a lot of pride in our defense, and you know, as long as guys just work at it and, and play it collectively, that's that's what we need. Andy Larson, Select Tribune. Uh, Mike's played down the stretch, obviously, kind of without Donovan. Uh, he had to step up and then kind of play that key playmaking role. Um, he's that's something he's been comfortable with, and especially in Memphis. But you know, how, did you have a conversation with him about playing that role tonight, or is it just something he knew he, he you know had to do? He, you know, I think, Andy, that's one of the things about our team that's a real strength is that, um, you know, we're able to to play through multiple guys, particularly um, Donovan and Mike. And one of them can handle, the other one can um, be off the ball and vice versa. And, you know, tonight, obviously, you know, Mike did a heck of a job handling the ball. And I also thought, you know, we played through Boyan late and you know, he was terrific on the post, and, you know, unselfish, kicking it out. Uh, but it, you know, Mike controlled the game, particularly down the stretch. And, you know, the guys on the floor knew that. And, you know, he's capable of doing that, as is Donovan. And uh, it's great to have both those guys, you know, be able to play off each other. I think that's something both of them really enjoy. All right. Last question Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. He was at it. I know you talk all the time about, you know, having multiple options, having, you know, Don in particular likes to talk about how having this many guys who can score makes it difficult for opposing defenses to know where it's coming from. But is it kind of gratifying, I guess, in that respect to see, you know, a night like tonight where Mike carries the load for a time, Boyan carries it for a time, JC even for a little bit, uh, you know, knowing that you can step up in a game where you don't have Don available? Well, we've, we've been, you know, down guys at various points this year. And, and that's, you know, that's teams, our, our team takes pride in that. I think um, they take pride in their balance and really making the right play. And, you know, when, when you're unselfish, the biggest thing for us is, you know, if everybody's spaced and we make quick decisions and are, and are willing to move the ball, you know, we've got a number of guys that can do just what you said and, and really impact the game in a significant way on the offensive end. Thank you, Coach. All right, there you go. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. What do you think about what Coach had to say there, Tim? I, I think his emphasis, uh, you know, it's interesting because as a coach, a win like that, you want to be really happy. Um, but, you know, he talked about 
the one thing as a coach, you see all the breakdowns, you see all the the right. mistakes, and even in a win, you know those are the things that are in the forefront of your mind. Is hey, we got to fix this when teams do this, we got to go over this. Um, you know, I feel like he's got to feel pretty good about the way that transition defense has trended, because I think there was a period in time, you know, a couple of weeks ago where that was a big issue. I mean, you look back at that Wizards game where they just kind of got wherever they wanted in transition. Um, so I think they've shored up some things. Um, but it, it's it's always interesting to hear a coach's comment right after the game because uh, they're pretty lucid. And uh, my my feeling is he's really, really happy with the effort. Um, just, all, you know, always thinking about how to improve. Yeah, you get that vibe from Coach Snyder listening to all these post-game press conferences, don't you? Oh, he's, yeah, yeah. That's he's focused on the improvement in the building, and I bet it is kind of tough not to get too negative because those things always stand out. For sure. Um, the, the thing that I think he's got to feel really good about tonight is with all of the, dif- the difficulty in yesterday, not having Donovan, and these guys going out, <clears throat> they really did rely on one another. And he, he, he mentioned, you know, we were unselfish. They, I thought they were extraordinarily unselfish yeah. tonight. Mm-hmm. The ball really moved. One play in particular that was pivotal was Boyan had a great job, got, had, got great position on a post-up. Um, you know, the, the double team came. He was able to swing that thing right across the floor to the opposite wing, one-time pass to the corner to Clarkson from Royce for a three. That stuff right there as a coach just makes you so happy because every dude made the exact right play. Except Joe Ingles. Don't listen to this if you're Joe Ingles because he passed up at least three wide-open shots, including two layups tonight. He did. He actually – he passed up a layup and started a break. I, I think the Jazz started four or five breaks tonight, you know, getting in a tough spot with the ball. Uh, but Joe, yeah, Joe kind of reverted back to not looking at the, at the basket, Joe, tonight. Um, and I, I thought there were a couple opportunities he could have made a couple more shots. But he's ever, you know, he, he's Mr. It's, Unselfish. It's Joe. And you know what? I make that, I make that comment somewhat tongue-in-cheek because, you know, been doing these shows and covering Joe Ingles since he first got to the jazz and every single game you come away saying, why'd you pass that shot up, Joe? And it's just his nature. I mean, he's, he's an unselfish player. That's the way he's, he's always played, but that one where he had an open layup and he tried to kick it back out to the perimeter and started to break. It's like, all right, it's okay, Joe, you can be a little selfish. It's all right. I mean, it was like, he was like, Hey, no, get over here a little bit so you can get a direct line to the basket there. Now go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Transition defense is a key, but stop this. Yeah. So uh, the, the Jazz, I did think, played unselfishly, though. That's for sure. Uh, they had 20 assists tonight on 38 made field goals. So move the ball around a little bit. And, of course, as Locke always tells us, you've got to make the shot to get the assist. And Mike uh, Conley himself had seven assists tonight. 111 to 107 is your final. I want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. We'll continue to break this one down and get you more sound coming up next on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Jazz win tonight, 111-107 over the Memphis Grizzlies. Jake Scott, Coach Tim Lacombe with you. 
Get a look at your points in the paint brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting. You do life. You want to take a stab at tonight, Tim? I'm going to say Memphis beat us in the paint. Big time. Yeah, big time. Big time, actually. I saw Rudy's numbers, so three for six doesn't bode well. 60 to 42, Memphis outscored the Jazz in the paint. I did see that the... Memphis Grizzlies shot 54% of their shots from mid-range today, from all of mid-range. So um, that doesn't surprise me. They they got in there, you know, not all the way to the rim, but they got in there and were able to hit those floaters and pull-ups quite often. Kyle Anderson, uh, Morant, that's kind of their game. Uh, the Grizzlies were only 5 of 18 from 3. So uh, this tonight was not about the three ball for them because 18 in today's day and age is – Low number for attempts. I can't believe I got it right. The point that's I haven't done that maybe once. So yeah. Well tonight you got it right and it was fairly lopsided. Yeah, it was and it was pretty obvious as you watched it too tonight. How about that? I left my computer sound on. It's my first day on radio. I, I, I did that three that. times in the early season. I better check my phone just in case. Mine's off. Yeah, you gotta you know. First day stuff. I'm not chewing gum, I can tell you that. So I've got the basics covered. My daughter had her first job today. Hey, She started her very first job. So you and her have that in common. That, uh, we were talking a little bit about, (laughs) we were talking a little bit about pet peeves during the break. If you ever hear somebody chewing gum while on on the radio, that's, that's fine. That's not good. No, that's, that's a no-no. When you hear somebody saying, yeah, that's a great point. No, no, that's not it. But I'm not chewing gum, but I did forget to turn off my Apologies. We'll get you some player sound uh, coming up here momentarily. But uh, well, well, as long as we're talking about points in the paint and uh, and uh, comparing it to the three ball, let's get to the three point uh, the three point feature sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than eighty years. The percentage fell off a little bit after half, but the Jazz still hit their attempt number. They were sixteen of 42.7 percent from three tonight. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, led by Boyan Bogdanovich, who was 5 of 12. Clarkson was 4 of 15. Uh, Conley, 2 for 8. Joe Ingles, 2 for 6. Royce, 1 for 3. George, 1 for 2. And Oni, 1 for 3. So not the best uh, three-point shooting night from the Jazz, but, you know, when you take 49, uh, you're, you're likely going to make enough to win the game. And what's interesting is, you know, the Jazz 49 threes are all pretty good threes. I mean, you're you're going to have some that are at the end of the shot clock and dribble up and those types of things are coming off a ball screen. Um, but for the most part, those are, you know, they run offense, they kick it out, they make the extra pass, and somebody's standing there shooting a three. So, yeah, the Jazz make them strategically, and they made them early to kind of get a cushion. Um, you know, and I think that that's, uh, that's another thing to watch is, the way the Jazz, you really use that as a weapon to kind of keep, you know, teams at bay. Well, they certainly did uh, tonight. There's no doubt about it. You look at Bogdanovich, it's good to see him, you know, have a little success, you know, from a percentage standpoint uh, from the field. Maybe you'd like a little bit better, but you'd certainly take 5 of 12 uh, from 3 for him. And you mentioned this earlier, the way he hit them at the beginning of the game uh, gave the Jazz that boost in the first quarter that Donovan Mitchell really has been giving this team in the first quarter. So he came through in that little part of Donovan's role when it came make, uh, to making up for him tonight. Yeah, and the one thing I'll point out about Boyan is I really I find it interesting that that's kind of how Quinn chose to finish the game. Um, you know, several post-ups in a row, um, getting, getting Boyan the ball um, late in the game, 
him making good decisions. And um, so, you know, just again, the versatility of this roster, the number of guys uh, that Quinn Snyder has at his disposal that he can call the number. And uh, he really just kind of picks the matchup he likes and goes at that. Yeah, I, I had a conversation with somebody we both know, maybe on the air the other day, that was complaining about Bogdanovich's uh, post moves. And I say, oh, you better you better talk to Tim about that. I think he would disagree with you. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I love Bogdanovich's post moves. Even when he's passing out of it, I know that sometimes he's a little turnover prone, but you mentioned that play hit Royce that passed it to Clarkson in the corner. I mean, if he's got a smaller guy on him, why not? I think he's actually really effective, and he doesn't turn it over a ton when he's posted. His turnovers come more when he tries to drive it. Um, But when he's posted up and he's able to kind of deliver the blow and back a guy down, he does a good job of seeing where the help's coming from and make the easy play. So, again, I think it's just another awesome way within the context of a game to pick pick on somebody, you know, somebody small or whatever, go at them. Uh, and make the the other team adjust to that. And half-court, you know, half-court basketball can be tough in the NBA. And it eventually it's going to come down to somebody has to go out there and get a bucket. And if you can get a, a mismatch in a post with, with Bogdanovich, I mean, you got to take that as many times as you can get it. And you've watched this stuff enough. Playoff basketball is half-court basketball. Yeah. Um, there is not the type of transition you see during the regular season because everything is at a premium. The effort is way better defensively. Guys do a better job of, of, you know, getting back and getting things stopped. So these types of things really bode well. Um, you have Donovan playing as well as he is. Conley coming off ball screens. Obviously, Joe Boyan, who can, you know, post facilitate and, and just, you know, all those different ways the Jazz can use to score. Uh, let's, uh, let's knock another one off the list here. Let's get to, let's do your master of the glass tonight. How about that? Let's talk a little bit about, uh, the usual master of the glass brought to you by safe flight auto glass back for another great year of basketball. Excuse me. I'm proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah jazz. Safe flight auto glass is also proud to present this year's master of the glass rebound program. At the end of the regular season, safe flight will donate $5 to the United way of Utah for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader. Tonight's master of the glass, Tim, Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert, absolutely. Now, he really put on a clinic because he had three rebounds at the, in the, at the half, right? So he had nine in, in the, the second, second half. half. Yeah. Finished with 12, had two offensive boards. But, you know, Rudy's going to Rudy. I kind of – a visual in my mind for that race for the master of the glass is kind of like the old uh, field day in elementary. You line everybody up. That's kind of what, at halftime, everybody was even. They were all at that starting point, and Rudy just got to 12 a lot faster than everybody else. Rudy's two blocks were really nice tonight. Uh, Rudy, and maybe I sound like a broken record on this, but he's the most consistent guy the Jazz have. I mean, there are no peaks and valleys in his game. You know, sometimes he only got six shots tonight. He was three of six, and sometimes he gets ten shots, and the numbers fluctuate a little bit. But as far as consistent impact on the game, it's there, night in and night out. Yeah, he's um, – and the part that is just astounding me is his finish. Like, he just continues to to do a great job. He had another one tonight where on a pick and roll and, and uh, got hit while he was you know, airborne, still was able to finish the dunk. Um, those types of things, I, that's where you see the major improvement in Rudy's game. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> Bowler and Harpinger getting a little uh, roasted online because the Rudy's dunk there where he, he fell – 
uh, Bowler was going over a scoreboard. And I saw Bowler explain this on Twitter because he was uh, uh, jumbotron issues because, of course, different situation. They're not actually at the game. They're kind of at the mercy of of a cameraman, so to speak, or whatever. So Bowler explained it out kind of. But I did listen to the clip, and Bowler's like, well, Brooklyn came away with a good win, and Rudy <laughs> throws it down. <laughs> so they're going viral a little bit tonight, but. Not not Bowler's fault, but I did I did get a chuckle out of that. That is funny. Yeah, I mean it it is a crazy year, and I go down before the the start of every game and just kind of peek in, and there everybody sits watching the jumbotron. It's a nice screen, at least. Yeah, it's yeah. a great screen. Yeah, I'd like nice to hook screen. up a like a PlayStation to that thing. They've done that before. I bet it's pretty. Uh, bet it's pretty sit up gnarly. here in the upper bowl, eye level with it. Well, if I do, on a serious note, I do feel for those guys a little bit. And Locke's talked about this a bunch because you are at the mercy of what somebody thinks you should be seeing. And so, you know, you think when you're trying to tell the story of a game, whether it's on TV or on radio, it's helpful to kind of process it through your own lens and your own mental filter as you're trying to tell instead the listener or viewer. <laughs> instead of, you know, what, what yeah somebody in the TV truck thinks. And it's it's got to be... Well, it is. I mean, those guys will talk to you about it. It's it's a little bit. It's a little difficult, and I give them both the tremendous amount of credit. And and Booner and Harpering and Thurl and uh, for for really doing a great job making the game come to life on TV, even though they do have a little bit more of a challenge than folks out there realize. Yeah, it's a it's definitely a challenge, and and you know, there's no substitute for being there. But I'll tell you what, our team is doing a phenomenal job across the board. All right, let's get some post-game sound going for you. Let's start with Mike Conley. Hey, Mike, good to see you. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Desert News. All right. Hey, Mike, before we get to the the game, I wanted to kind of get your perspective on what happened on yesterday's flight and uh, how the last 24 hours have been. Um, yeah, what happened on yesterday's flight for a, good, for a good 10, 15 minutes, I think all of us on that flight were questioning if we were going to you know, be here today, you know, so that was, that's how serious it was for us. And, um, you know, can't speak for everybody, but I know that, you know, guys were text trying to text family and, you know, just, uh, just in case, you know, it was that kind of situation. And we're, we're just thrilled and thankful for the pilots and the staff and what they were able to do to get us back home safely. And, um, I think a lot of us were shook up, obviously, you know, you don't just go, you know, go through something like that and get back on a plane and head to go, you know, play a game again. So put put perspective on life for all of us. And like I said, we're just all thankful to be here and um, doing what we love to do. Next, we'll go Tony Jones, The Athletic. Um, you know, kind of piggybacking off, off of Sarah's question, you know, how good a win is this for you guys, uh, for you to come in and play like this under those kind of adverse circumstances. I know you got into Memphis really late and, you know, and, and beating a team three times in a week can't be easy. Well, I think it just, it's, it's a great win. It says a lot about, you know, our character, our resiliency as a team. Um, obviously without Donovan as well, we knew we were going to, you know, it was going to be a tough night for us against a, a young team that competes and plays, you know, as hard as any team in the league. And, you don't beat a team three times in, in a, you know, in a matter of a week uh, very often. So uh, for us to come out, you know, given the circumstances, you know, we didn't make any excuses. We just went out there and played our ball and, um, and, and competed uh, as best we could. And, and luckily we were able to get the win. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. 
Mike, you told the broadcast that maybe more, it felt like it was maybe even a bigger deal than what's been reported in the, the plane or the plane incident. Um, kind of what happened, can you kind of tell us what happened in those minutes that you describe and kind of, you know, why, why you guys were as nervous as you were? Because, you know, it, it, we saw the photos, what happened to the plane, and it, it is pretty crazy. Well, yeah, well, for the group of us, you know, I think it was me, JC, uh, Joe, and Mie, Favors, like we're all kind of right there in between both wings of the plane, and uh, and all of a sudden it felt like there was an explosion. Uh, like literally, it, that's what it sounded like for most people on the plane, like something, like we hit something big, and the plane immediately started to bounce and then just started tilting to the left, and people in the back of the plane said they saw flames and you know people in the front obviously didn't know what was going on and like immediately like altitude started to drop a little bit and and we started like like looking down and like wondering what what just happened and like nobody knows everybody's just quiet you know we're just in shock and and it took uh you know the pilots you know probably five to ten minutes probably about ten minutes to go through everything and get you know go through their checks and kind of get back to us and let us know what was going on because it was obvious that uh something was really wrong with the plane it felt like the plane was like breaking apart in midair so for us we you know for like i said for five ten minutes you know it felt like just just complete helplessness so um you know we we're we're thankful it wasn't as, as serious as as it, it it could have been um but it was it was scary all right that's all the time we have with you mike thank you we appreciate it Mike Conley, not talking a ton about the game tonight, uh, providing some more insight into what happened with the plane issues yesterday. That sounds horrifying, absolutely horrifying. It's always interesting when you get the detail, right? Um, when you when you hear that they felt a bump, you know, a huge bump, like they hit something. Um, he, he used the word explosion. And, and then when the, the wing tilts and guys in the back of the plane can see flames, I, I mean, that is way more dramatic, right, than just what the pictures show. And seriously, while he's talking, I, I just am that, – that makes this win that much better yeah. because uh, th- that's quite an ordeal. That's I, more than just a little turbulence. Oh, for sure. Know, that's more than – I mean, that's you know, flames, explosions, tilting – Feeling like the plane is coming apart in midair, I mean, that's that's horrifying. And you don't know. It's birds, probably. You know, you think, well, what else could have happened? You know, it's, that's nuts. Man, I'm just, I'm, I'm so glad, right, that it, uh, that it ended well and that everybody can kind of tell the story because, um, man, that, that was, that, that was actually pretty breathtaking right there. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm glad... Mike's talking about it a little bit. Not that uh, I can't uh, remember how exactly you referenced it. He he talked about how it's been underreported and a little or the significance of it, the seriousness of it, maybe not everybody grasping out there. And I'm glad he kind of told the story because maybe I was doing that in a weird way where it's like, okay, everybody's safe, you know, on to Memphis. And it sounds like it was a uh, it was a much more traumatizing experience guys texting family yeah i mean come on that's 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 amazing Uh, that's really amazing truly grateful that that everybody's all right and and i'm not sure who the the pilots are obviously but shout out to the pilots and crew and staff and you know the folks over there at salt lake city international airport because i'm sure it was a team effort to make sure everybody got down there safely and glad folks over there 
good at what they do. Amen to that. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So Mike Conley, though, he was the story on the floor as well, even though we didn't talk about it all that much. 26 points, seven assists for Mike, four rebounds, um, and and played exceptionally well down the stretch. Shot the ball well, 11 of 18 from the field. And uh, you can you can tell he enjoys playing on his on his old home floor. Yeah, he looked really comfortable. Uh, he looked really comfortable. And like I said, he he was the one that kind of made big play after big play. Um, I thought his his step back three, you know, we talked about earlier was huge. Um, him getting to the lane, being able to find guys, um, it's just it, it really speaks to what a veteran presence and certainly a veteran presence like Mike that is so universally loved, you know, um, in, everywhere he's played, Ohio State, Memphis, and now here. Uh, it, but it just speaks to the, the value and the worth of a guy like that. want to remind you about our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, uh, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Jazz win tonight over the Grizzlies, 111-107. We'll get you more sound. We'll continue to break this one down as well. Coming up next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, coach Tim Lacombe. Jazz beat the Grizzlies tonight, 111 107, with no Donovan Mitchell. Post game brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. We'll get you more sound from Memphis coming up here momentarily. Uh, Jazz led tonight by Mike Conley, 26.7 assists. Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench with uh, 24 points. And uh, seven rebounds. Jordan played 26 minutes. Uh, I had a conversation about this today. You know, he really is so good in his role, and people talk about how much he shoots, but it's the whole reason he he plays 26 minutes. He's that he's that thunderbolt that comes in, does his thing, and uh, is is impactful immediately. But you don't necessarily want him playing 35, 36 minutes. No, his role is to score, and my my assumption. You know, from seeing, because I think you know, lately he's really kind of struggled to find it, um, but he's certainly still trying to find it, and that has to be driven by the coaching. Um, that's his role. You you said it a hundred times this year, but that's really the Jazz. They asked their guys. We talked about Mieoni's role earlier. Um, Jordan's role is to go put pressure on the defense, and um, you know to stretch the defense out and space the defense out with with shots to make them respect him. And I, I really do believe that it is part of, um, you know, the way the Jazz want to play. And uh, Quinn certainly has, you know, he's, he's sitting there watching it. Uh, I'm, I, I'm 100% sure that he's encouraging Jordan to be as aggressive as possible. I compared him today to the role Manu Ginobili had, and I got pushback. And so I thought, well, Manu, that's all he did was come off the bench and shoot his brains out and try to score as many points in a short amount of time as possible. And so I looked up their usage. And Manu's highest usage uh, of his career was actually, I think, memory serves, fifth or sixth year in the league, so not unlike Jordan Clarkson. He was at a 28.1, and Jordan's at a 29 this year. So, I mean, that's 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 almost – yeah, exactly. I mean, that's almost exactly the same. I mean, it's it's just the role of that player because you come in off the bench at a, against the other team's reserve unit at a team where maybe your bench is out there as well where it needs that shot in the arm, somebody to go out there and shoot it. But I do think, you know, 
uh, that a shot from Jordan Clarkson, whether it goes in or not, again, the Jazz want to do a good job of putting a lot of pressure on on teams to guard the three-point line. We've seen it. They're, they're going to take, you know, 40 or 50 threes a night, and Jordan's a big part of that. And so if he comes into the game and right from the jump, you know, he, he is aggressive like he always is, um, you know, teams have to account for that. And, yeah, he's not making the amount of shots he was making earlier in the year, but my thought is he just keeps doing what he's doing, and, and he'll find it again. Well, he was on a pace there for a minute. There oh, was, it was going stupid. to be <clears throat> impossible to uh, to keep up. And I, I'm sorry, all these games run together. But who do you have 40 against? Was that Philly? I think it was Philly. It was the same night Ben Simmons oh, yeah, yeah. had his big That's night. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 uh, remarkable. He just wasn't going to keep up that kind of pace because no human being could. It was kind of like when Joe Ingles went through his little three game stretch where he couldn't miss. And you're going to come back down to earth a little bit, but doesn't mean he's any less capable of doing what the team needs to be done. No, he's, um, you know, I think the crazy part of what you just said is, you know, how, how many times have the Jazz had multiple guys on the team that could get 40? You know, Bojan can do it. We know Donovan can do it, and Jordan can do it. Um, so that that's such a luxury. And, again, that whole idea of different guys in different ways constantly putting pressure on the defense, whether it be running the floor, driving the ball. Um, it's con- it's a constant barrage trying to break that defense down. Yep. Speaking of Jordan Clarkson, let's go ahead and hear from him. Let's go back to Memphis. Hey, Jordan. Good to see you. We'll get started with Ben Anderson, KSLsports.com. Jordan, after everything that happened uh, yesterday with the plane, is it good to be back at work? Is that kind of your mindset, or do you felt, did you feel like you could have liked some more time off? Uh, um, I mean, I kind of just wanted to get on another flight immediately trying to get over that, like scare. Like, I don't, I don't know what was reported yesterday in terms of like, uh, it was just like a little emergency landing or something like that. But I feel like a lot of people on that plane, uh, it was like one of those flights where you were sending out texts. I know you've seen on the movies when a plane about to crash or something. It was, it, it got to that point where we was all on the plane, like, so this might be really the end. Um, so, I mean, it was a, a crazy situation. Um, I understand fully why, uh, you know, Don didn't uh, come because, I mean, all of us were just like kind of like out of there and then in like limbo, like, whoa, what what just happened? It's just like real life. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, you kind of got to, you know, push through and, um get over it but it's just uh that's just a tough situation I mean I don't think that's happened many times uh on a plane ride I've talked to uh many of my friends that are in the league and they said uh like that that's the biggest fear (laughs) and for that to happen um you know I I understand uh everybody's uh point and you know perspective on that thing as well so uh I mean it is what it is you know, you take your time off, everybody. So, uh, you know, you just got to figure out a way to uh, push through that and uh, keep going. Next up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Jordan, can you kind of recall some of the details of, of what you remember happening, you know, as this as this occurred and just kind of, you know, what the emotions were as as the situation was unfolding? You know, so many guys have been talking about how, you know, it was so sudden and and you know, uh, how you're, there was confusion and, and it took a while for the 
crew to kind of just figure out what was going on. So what, what was going through your mind during that time? Um, so where I sit on the plane is where I could see, uh, you know, the engine and everything. Uh, I happened to be being a bad kid and uh, kind of getting up and grabbing something out of my bag while we was taking off. Um, and, you know, I just remember walking back to my seat. And as I got to my seat, I just hear a loud bang. And me and Mike looked at each other and he was like, oh, those, that was, those are the birds. I guess Mike seen the birds passing through the window and then seen it as it was happening. So all I heard was a bang. And then I turned and look out the window and see the whole like engine shaking and everything. And then you see everybody in the back kind of like, you know, reacting to what's going on. And, you know, a lot of the people in the back that were sitting like, you know, behind the engine and stuff like that, they seen a burst of flames. So immediately they, they're probably thinking like the plane is fully caught on fire. And I see everybody kind of reacting towards that. Um, and then rec just recalling that whole situation was pretty crazy. The whole plane just started shaking. It was just, uh, it's definitely uh, something that, you know, experience that I'm happy that, you know, we, we able to tell. Because, um, like I said, a lot of us really, uh, you know, came to <clears throat> like a, a point, at least 30 seconds in that flight, everybody came to the point where it was like, man, this might be, this might be over for us. And, um, you know, it's sad to say that. And, you know, I don't play with death or any, anything like that. Um, and uh, it's just something that, you know, we got to push through and come together and, uh, you know, keep going uh, and stay strong and support each other whatever, how, how much time we got to take off or whatever, you know, talking to, you know, our mental health people or whatever it is, uh, you know, this is, that's a serious situation uh, if you've never been faced with, um, you know, life and death, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, respect to everybody that's, uh, you know, gone, gone through this situation on, on this plane. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Jordan, we were told that, you know, there was that five, 10 minutes before the crew was able to, the pilots or the crew were able to tell you guys anything. Once they, once they did tell you something, what were they able to say to you? And then did that kind of calm you guys? Like, okay, we're going to be able to make it back to the ground. Yeah, that was probably the most uh, common part. You know, the flight attendants were, uh, flight attendant and the uh, pilots were very calm when they got on the intercom, uh, basically telling us what happened. Uh, saying we lost the engine, um, you know we gonna we gonna be able to land somewhere, and uh, we'll, they were saying they was gonna turn around, turn the play around. So um, that definitely was a a comforting thing. But we were all looking out the window like, man, just land this, <laughs> just land anywhere. We don't care. We can check everything else later. Once we get on the ground, just please just put this plane on the ground and just let us let us live and and get get past this. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a common. Uh, common kind of thing once the pilot got on there he was super calm and uh, you know let us know what's going on and uh, you know we got back to the ground uh, shout out to them for you know landing and getting it back safe and uh, all that all right that's it thank you jordan we appreciate your time all right, peace that was jordan clarkson uh now jordan on the floor had a had a very good night uh 24.7 rebounds um yeah very serious situation with the plane. And I, I, I'm going to make a light comment here for a second. And then we can, we can talk about what he had to say. Jordan Clarkson is an unbelievably, uh, unbelievable storyteller. 
He really is. Can't you picture him? Picture him in his 70s with a room full of grandkids telling the story he just told right now. I mean, you could just, I mean, he's just, uh, I like the way he thinks. He's hes great. He, he has a, a great way of kind of telling a story. That was that was amazing. I had the thought that he, he really should get a podcast. He really I should. I mean, I, w- I love to listen to him. I do too. Explain stuff uh, the way he sees it. And, and just the kind of, the, that just shows you the personality as a coach you're coaching. Um, the difference between Conley's telling of the story and, and Jordan's, which they're telling the exact same story. But that, that is the that is the essence of being a coach is you got to coach Conley and you got to appeal to, um, you know, his the way that he sees things. And at the same time, you yeah. got a guy like Clarkson, completely different, you know, different background, whatever. Uh, two different guys, but just as a coach, you know, your job is to get everybody to kind of see eye to eye. And uh, you know, I thought that was actually a really, really great little segment. And um, he actually, the way he tells it, right, he's telling this serious story like Mike. But when Mike's telling it, I'm like, holy, you know, I'm sitting back in my chair, my hands on my yeah. head. And Clarkson's telling the story. And, yeah, of course, I know it was serious, but he, he is able to get you to chuckle a little bit. Get you bit, to laugh. Right. Oh, but, but can't we all see it? I mean, we, one point we laughed. He said, I was kind of being a bad boy, and I got up to get something <laughs> out of my bag. And then you, you could almost see, because he's talking about what Mike Conley said when the explosion happened, where Mike knew it was the birds. And he goes, I think it was the birds. And you can you can see the situation, right? It's <laughs> just so it, I think so he said it like, it was them birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, the way he told the story is just amazing. He's, he's amazing. I'm with you. I could listen to him talk uh, uh, all night, all night long. But I, I thought, uh, you know, or I said in the last segment, you know, these guys probably didn't know what happened. I was completely wrong. Mike Conley knew exactly what happened. He, he said it was birds. the birds <laughs> right away. Uh, but <clears throat> he to to hear him talk about it. I mean, it still it still sounds like an unbelievably traumatic situation. And again, the 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 most telling part would must be or is that uh, they're they're texting family members. I mean there was it sounds like there was a a minute or two there where they they weren't sure if they were going to get down safely. So that's that's terrifying. And that's what he said. He said, you know, it's like in the movies. Yeah. You know, he's like you see in the movies, guys are texting their families. Um as good as his game was on the floor. That that post game was ever so good. Amazing. And I am so, you know, the acquisition of Jordan Clarkson really put the, the jazz on this trajectory, in my opinion. I agree. Um, because it got another bona fide score, another bona fide ball handler, and it really kind of started putting the pieces together for the jazz to be able to build this offense the way they're playing now. And it seems like he's just, I mean, he's got a personality that just fits right in. And oh, I, I guarantee everybody he's played with loves that guy. Yep. Just you listen to him talk for a second. I love that guy, and I don't even know him. <laughs> I'm going to get on his website and buy a couple things Absolutely. Tonight. Absolutely. Love that, Jordan Clarkson. All right. Uh, should we get to our stat nuggets tonight from our friend Tyson Ewing? Should we roll through these? Let's do it. All right. Uh, our friend Tyson uh, does stats for the television broadcast, AT&T Sportsnet, and he's nice enough to share a few things that he finds uh, with us here on the postgame. Let's, uh, let's get started. Uh, despite... Uh, winning by just four. The Jazz did lead by 10 at one point in this game. Uh, with the win, the Jazz are now 35-1 and one in games in which they take a lead of at least 10 points. Wow. Utter dominance. Oddly, they're just 1-10, in 10, adds Tyson, in games where they don't take a lead of 10 points. Hmm. 
You know, so they, they haven't played very much. Well, obviously only 10, very many of those where it's back and forth. You know what? David said something tonight during the broadcast that kind of, he said Bojan had only taken three-point shots in the clutch, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, it just shows you they have not played many clutch minutes, right, this whole season because they've just been that much better than everybody else. Mm. Uh, the Jazz hold the fourth longest streak in NBA history for consecutive games with at least 10 made threes. They have hit at least 10 in 53 consecutive games. Excuse me, number one uh, and number two held by Houston, 97 and 55 respectively. And then Portland with 54, which uh, if the Jazz hit uh, 10 against Chicago, they'll tie that mark uh, and move into third. Uh, the Jazz hit 10 of their 16 threes from the corner tonight. They were a whopping 10 of 15. That's 67% from the corner three and just six of 34. That's 18% from above the break. Yeah, those corner threes really are kind of the, those catch and shoot corner threes are really kind of the the sweet spot for the Jazz. Mike Conley had a Jazz career high for points in a fourth quarter with 13 tonight. It's the most fourth quarter points he's had in a game since March of 2019. It's also the 94th time this season a Jazz player has scored at least 10-plus in one quarter. They've only had one game all year where a player didn't have 10 or more in a quarter, and that was on the 6th of January against the Knicks. Nine different Jazz players have scored 10-plus in a quarter this season. Wow. That seems like a huge number. Nine different players have done that? Depth, versatility. That's pretty amazing, actually. It really when, is. When you think about that stat. Uh, this was Mike's tenth, uh, uh, Mike's tenth this year, and third time in his last four games scoring ten and a quarter. Uh, Rudy Gobert has a league-leading plus one thirty-one over the last seven games. That's an average of a plus eighteen point seven per game. <laughs> wow! Speaking of incredible numbers, that is absolutely incredible. Uh, let's see here. Jordan Clarkson finished with seven rebounds tonight. Utah is thirty-six and seven all time when Jordan Clarkson has at least four boards. We watch that one like a hawk. We do. Watch that's that our one. favorite. I actually think that's my favorite stat. He also has an assist one, too, isn't it? Three. He gets three assists. And that's the that's one great. area when you said Manu. Manu was a little better passer. On the passing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jordan Clarkson has uh, <clears throat> has made at least one three-pointer in 73 straight games. That's a 14th longest streak in NBA history. Buckets. That's what he does. And he played well tonight. He played great and talked better. <laughs> he talked better than he played, and he played great. Uh, he, he told that story amazingly. I mean, I amazingly. like I was. I saw the visual. I, I did saw too. him standing up, messing around, grabbing his bag, the whole thing, and then Mike yelling, "Is the birds?" <laughs> and he did. Clarkson did allude to this. I I I don't like speculating about it because it's it's. Not really anybody business, but Jordan did seem to imply that uh, he said, "I believe I don't. I don't blame Donovan for having some reservations." It sounds like it was uh, traumatic enough that, uh, yeah, there wasn't. There's not not any judgment there, and maybe that sounds like the the reason Donovan didn't play tonight. Again, I, I hate speculating about that stuff because it is personal reasons and really none of our business. But Jordan did did say that. Yeah, he he also said, you know. Take your time, you know, take the time you need, how important it is for them all to talk to, you know, their mental coaches, the mental health coaches uh, and staff, and and just make sure that, you know, they get out what they need to get out. Yep. 
And so, uh, but they got the win with no Donovan Mitchell. They got the win. I, I did think that was interesting. Jordan said too, he wanted to get right back on the plane, like rip the van, rip the bandaid off and that going home wasn't particularly helpful. Uh, I, I, I bet it that's different for everybody. I do know that the, they sent the players home and then came back for, for a later flight. That trip home was probably good for some and not so good for others. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but the fact that they were going home and driving home and with us, uh, that had to have made it the most, yeah, all okay. Yep. All right. Uh, Want to remind you about our friends, Mark Miller, Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer and the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final score, Jazz Beat the Grizz, 111 107. We'll get Coach Lacombe's final thoughts coming up next on the Jazz Radio Network. Conley in the front court, 22 points, four rebounds. Seven assists. With his white headband, he works to his right hand. He gets Bain switched to him. Now a Gobert pick. They work the pick and roll. Low left hand dribble. In the pocket. Step back jumper. Mike Conley! Yes, you can! Hear me roar! Mike Conley and the Jazz are up six. Timeout. Taylor Jenkins. Play of the game right there, courtesy of our friend David Locke. Brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection, lhmauto.com. Driven by you. Jake Scott, Coach Tim McComb, Jazz Game Night Post Game Show, Jazz Beat the Grizz, 111-107. It's brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Mike Conley led the way for the Jazz, 26 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Really played well tonight. Jordan Clarkson with 24 coming in off the bench. Bogdanovich with 23. Joe Ingles had 10 tonight. He also had uh, five rebounds and two assists for the Grizzlies. Ja Morant, 36 points on 11 of 18 shooting. Seven assists from Ja, three steals. Uh, Kyle Anderson had 18 points. Dylan Brooks with 17. Jonas Valanciunas with 16. He grabbed 14 rebounds and had five assists. You know, that's a decent night for Jonas, coach. But I, I thought Rudy... Uh, really ate his lunch all night long. I don't think the box score is is really uh, evidence to how one-sided that matchup actually was tonight. Rudy did a great job. I think he learned a bunch playing against him twice in the last week. Um, you know, Valanchunas, is, his modus operandi against Rudy is just to get into his body, get as deep as he can and get into his body. And Rudy did a good job of dancing, not letting him find his body, um, you know, forcing him out on the floor. And uh, so I, I think that, again, we see just the IQ of Rudy and taking, you know, his past experience just this last um, two games in a week against him and using that to his advantage. He took 17 shots, uh, Valanciunas did. He only made eight of them. I mean, for a, a player who makes his living in a post like that, that's not incredibly efficient. Not incredibly efficient. In fact, the, um, the Grizzlies only made 45% of their shots at the rim. Wow. Tonight. That, so it's one of, the, one of their worst nights at the rim in a while. All right, Coach, before we turn the page on this one, let's get some final thoughts from you. You know, it's interesting because I think this is uh, one of those nights where I think it's um, apropos to talk about kind of that whole blend of life and basketball. And I think what the Jazz kind of experienced in the last, um, you know, two days really speaks to that. This team – is certainly doing really special things on on the floor. I think they've got a a great cohesion off the floor. You can tell that, uh, you know, you talked about guys like Jordan Clarkson. The locker room seems really good. Um, it does seem salvageable. I'll use the term salvageable. <laughs> um, but really, the 
the experience the Jazz went through and everybody talked about, you know, as good as the win was tonight, the, really the postgame, 90% of it was talking about just this experience that they went through yesterday. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, I've been on a plane where we've dropped altitude really fast and, and that's really unsettling. But um, I've never experienced anything like they described. Um, and so just that whole idea that, Here's this team is, you know, doing something and it's the most important thing ever to figure out a way to win a championship. And you got to pause for a second and say, man, we really are lucky uh, and blessed that we got through something like that. So I, I, I just think it's interesting as as people that follow the team and fans, you know, the message I take from tonight is, um, you know, be really good to the people around you. Uh, take advantage of the time you got because you just never know. Um, this team is is really doing record-setting things here. And um, I, I'm just, you know, I thank God that uh, everything happened, you know, the way it did yesterday and everything, w- you know, went well. Um, and then you add on top of it, they get through all that, and then they go out and really cohesively play tonight. So I, I think that really speaks to the, you know, the track this team's on, the, fact, the focus they have, and um, really – a fun game to watch tonight and see him battle without Donovan and figure that game out. All right. We want to say a big thanks to lock and Boone, of course, for calling all the action tonight. Great job by those two. As usual. I want to thank Amanda Smith, our broadcast assistant. I want to thank Alex Lundberg, executive producer of jazz game night. Thank you, Lundy. Uh, I want to thank Mark Miller, Subaru title sponsor of the post game. Uh, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. The perf- or the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Coach, thanks, buddy. Love working with you, kid. That's always fun. Uh, our next broadcast coming your way on Friday night. Uh, the Chicago Bulls are in town here at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. And, of course, you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.